You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm, uh, as Audrey said, my name is Butch. I'm filling in for Riz, and uh, he'll be back next week. Um, I always like to start off with uh, some disclaimers, and one is that, uh, just to kind of fill you in in case you're wondering, because people tell me all the time, I was uh, um, born and raised in Ever Be, so if you're wondering, everyone tells me that I have an accent, but, but it, I don't know that I have an accent in <laughs> If I have an accent, I got it from Ever Beach. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. I was, as usual, um, every time I think I've spoken over here. How's that? Whoa, thanks. Always kind of like the day before I'm going to give the message. I was wishing I would asked somebody else. <laughs> and uh, nervous. And then today, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you that as people are coming in and I'm thinking about the church, that it always, you know, sets my heart at ease. Because I know everybody here and this is such a loving church. So thank you so much for your grace um, with me this morning. And uh, if you'll open up to Exodus chapter 18, we're still moving along and will be for a while. Um, Some of the background into the book of Exodus, and I don't know how many people are enjoying it. I'm really enjoying being in the book of Exodus and uh, all the things that are happening. And uh, what God, if you remember, is doing is that the nation of Israel has been delivered from Egypt where they were in slavery for a part of 400 years. And God miraculously delivered them. And presently where they are and where they will be for a good portion of the book, almost to the end, I think, that they're in the wilderness or the desert that's in between Egypt and their destination where they're heading to, which is the promised land, which will be the nation of Israel or Canaan and, and referred to in the Bible. But it's, it's not that now. But, but once they get there and kind of move in and take over, then it will be that. So they're like in this in-between part where uh, a big portion of the book is, you know, staged. And this part in the wilderness, which uh, I want us to consider, is a place of transition for them. And it's a place of testing, God said. And it's a place of refinement. So I don't know, you know, a lot of these things in, the, in what we're reading here really applies to us. 
is that sometimes we seem like maybe we're in the wilderness, but you know what, often it's, it's God just taking us maybe through lean times and taking us, you know, to a place where he's testing our faith or he's refining us, okay? And uh, that's where they're at, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if everybody's there. 18, and we're going to start. I'm going to read from verse 1. I'll read the whole chapter. Chapter 18 in Exodus. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Uh, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. For he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between these parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, 
men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people. Officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and Lord, that we are able to learn about how to live our lives through what we read from your word. We do pray that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts now. Lord, and just help me to, to be accurate. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, at this point in the story, we're the nation of Israel is about 45 days after the deliverance from Egypt. Okay, so 45 days they've been moving. Um, if you had a map there, looks like they're about halfway you know, getting near halfway down to uh, where they're heading. Except, if you know the whole story, that uh, it takes the nation of Israel 40 years to cross what I think takes about a couple weeks. Okay, so they're heading from Egypt, and they're going to end up where Israel now is. Okay? And if you were to walk straight there, I think it takes a couple weeks. But it takes the nation of Israel 40 years. Okay, and as we go along, and I'll be talking about a little bit of it today, in case you're wondering, how in the world are they? They obviously took the long way. Okay, and what we need to remember was that the time in the wilderness for them was a time of testing and a time where God was refining them, okay? And maybe also in our lives, like the times of testing and the times of refining, it kind of a little bit up to us how long it's going to take, right? And the more obedient we are, then uh, the process goes a little quicker and smoother, right? And the less we are, the longer that it takes. And uh, if you walk with the Lord for a while, you know that the Lord always is successful in what he sets out to do. And uh, this beginning part, I'm just going to like from 1 to, uh, what is it, 12, about Jethro coming. The only thing that I can see here that's pretty awesome is that Moses recounts all of the miracles and how God delivered them. And Jethro comes up with this statement that now that he knows that Jehovah God is greater than all the other gods. And if you remember when we were there, all of the... Um, plagues that God brought upon Israel were 
directly connected to the gods of, um, not on Israel, on Egypt, directly connected to the gods of Egypt. Okay? So part of what God was doing was showing his superiority to all the gods that they were worshiping at the time. Okay? And, and uh, something for us is it may, when I read this and I thought, man, you know what? When God blesses us or delivers us or helps us, you know what? Part of it is, as Moses did with his father-in-law, it's important for us to share that with others. Not everybody knows the Lord, right? And our testimony is something that's really powerful. And you don't ever know how your testimony and something maybe small or maybe something large is going to encourage someone else, especially someone that doesn't know the Lord. Okay, and it's something that we need to share with others and uh, to be bolder in sharing about the Lord. Okay, and what I, I want to focus on these, this whole little uh, incident here on uh, 13 all the way to the end of the chapter. And uh, as always, uh, Riz is gracious enough to tell me way ahead of time um, when I'm going to give the message. So I almost always have about a month to study. And uh, as always, and I, I have no idea why, I study for a whole month. I accumulate way more than I can possibly say in one morning. And I usually am scrambling the night before, Saturday night, last night, to uh, make sense of all of the stuff that every thought that came in my mind, I write down. And uh, not a good thing. Then Saturday night, I try to organize it and... As I always know, organization is not one of my strong points. So, not a point at all. But, okay, in this section, it's Jethro notices a problem and gives counsel to Moses, his son-in-law. Okay? And I read it, I read this thing so many times, and something always bothered me, Right? And, and what was the problem here? Was that there were so many people that were coming up to Moses for counsel and Moses' decision, right? Why? Because they had disputes with each other. Okay, if Moses was a pastor, his congregation was something like two and a half million people. Now think about that. Two and a half million people... And these guys, as we'll see here, that they did not get along real well. Okay, and they, Moses was the only counselor, the only person. So it says there that they stood from morning to night waiting to see him. Okay, and uh, the title of this whole sermon, I guess, message was um, changed hearts, which is what's needed in this whole thing. But my kind of subtitle and uh, two questions that I'll be asking is, why were there so many people waiting to see Moses? 
right? That was the issue, that there were so many people waiting that Jethro was sitting there and he came from the outside, right? What was normal to Moses seemed really odd to Jethro. And he said, why are you do why do you doing this? Right? Now another version it says that you're not accomplishing anything here. That people stand waiting in line from morning to nighttime waiting to get to you. Right? And his conclusion was, look, both the, the all the people and you are gonna be worn out. I'll give you some good advice. Jethro's counsel, his advice to Moses was to what? Share the load. Raise up mature, capable leaders from the congregation, right, to share the counseling load. So Jethro sees it kind of as administrative problem, a logistic problem, right? There's a lot of people, okay, in, in kind of a little equation that I wrote here, Jethro's equation was more leaders equals more counsel equals what? Shorter lines. Okay, right? Just like you go to the supermarket or, or wherever you go, Costco, you know, and you're you like my wife. I don't know, my, my, and I'll tease her a little bit. She's, that's, if you don't know me, that's my wife, Winter, in the back. Everybody knows her, okay? And... Uh, because there's a lot of witnesses, I have an opportunity to uh, tease her a little bit. So, you know, we let you go in Costco, right? You ever go in Costco and then she always, I'm like, she makes me push the thing, which I hate pushing that cart. It's like being in traffic. But then when, we, when she's done, then she's like, okay, let's go. And usually after we went down every aisle in Costco. But... Then you decide on the line. Which line do you go into? Right? The shortest one, obviously. But sometimes the shortest one is the longest one because the person in front of you has got like a ton of stuff or they, they're, you know, it's a lady looking for her wallet in her purse. <laughs> and, you know, then she's got to look in her wallet for her charge card. Then she's, got, you know, whatever. That whole deal. Okay, but similarly here, it's this line and people are waiting there. So he's going, you know what? What the solution is, is more counselors. More counselors, Moses' load is going to be lightened. Right? And the people are going to be happier because they won't, it'll kind of cover, which is really good advice. Okay, that seems pretty straightforward, but as I had this month to think about it, and uh, I kind of decided, I had this little revelation about myself, and that uh, my wife and my kids always say that I overthink everything, right? Any overthinkers here, right? Don't overthink that question, but... <laughs> and I would probably be you know, in agreement, that I overthink everything. But as I was thinking about it, I decided that I don't overthink everything. I think things over and over and over. 
right? So I had a long time and I was going, okay, wait a minute, you know, that what's the real problem here? Right? Because in the scriptures it says that all these people were waiting for one reason. And I was to get some sort of judgment because they were having disputes with someone else in the congregation. And that's a problem. Right? And it was not a staffing problem. That it was a heart problem, and more accurately, a sinful heart problem. Because they couldn't get along with each other. This was an ongoing issue, if you remember, we, what we just went through now, and, and what's going to come up ahead. Right? That, I don't know if you remember, in the beginning... Um, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 13, when Moses was, didn't even start his ministry yet, it says there that uh, Moses went to visit the people, and the next day Moses went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. Okay, and it makes complete sense. I don't know if you've ever been like in like a testy situation, and traffic or something, right? And it, it like, it... You've been in a situation and it's kind of like high stress. Now, fighting kind of comes easy in that kind of situation, right? They were in bondage. They were, they were being abused. They were being overworked. But at the same time, they were fighting each other. Now, we're in chapter 18 and starting in 14 was right. Chapter 14 was where they first crossed. The Red Sea, you remember God opened up the waters and it crossed over on dry land, the Bible says. But when they got to the sea, it wasn't open. And what did they do? Complain. Right? In every chapter, 14, 15, 16, 17, they complained. Right? In 14, they said it would have been better for us to have stayed there in Egypt and served the Egyptians. When they were at the, at the Red Sea and there was no way across and Pharaoh was coming behind, looking like they were going to get wiped out. In 15, it says that, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? So they get on the other side, they're in the wilderness, they run out of water, they're thirsty, and they start complaining. Chapter 16 it says that they grumbled, saying, If we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted. But you brought us, uh, this entire assembly, out here to starve us to death. You remember when they didn't have the kind of food they wanted? And they grumbled. Chapter 17. So they camped at Rephidim. And there was no water, so they quarreled with Moses, saying, Give us water to drink. Okay, and it, it goes, I could keep going on about it, but we're here in 18. As we go on, just remember to consider every time that you hear that they're complaining. Okay? They're quarreling with God because they were mad at God for bringing them out there. They're quarreling with Moses, and naturally, they're quarreling with each other. 
the end of the story, when we get all the way after the 40 years, when we get towards the end of the book of uh, Exodus, I don't know if you know the end of the story, but that generation, this generation here that we're talking about, the generation that came out of Egypt, none of them make it into the promised land except for two guys, Caleb and Joshua. Remember when they spied out the land and they came back and, and everybody sided with the, the negative, we can't do it because it's too hard for us. We're just going to turn around and go back to Egypt. Okay? So consider that this whole generation here that we're talking about is not going to make it to where God had planned for them. Even the leaders, even the counselors that were appointed don't make it. Right? Even Moses doesn't go. He sees the promised land. But he doesn't make it into the promised land. And they didn't make it, if you read in the Bible, because of unbelief. And they're complaining all the time. Jethro's advice solved the surface issue. But though they had access to more counsel, their hearts were unchanged. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Their hearts were unchanged, so their attitudes never changed, and their actions remained the same. That they stay the same people throughout the book of Exodus. An application for us is, this morning is to allow God to change our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Guard or watch over your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Our heart, what's in here, determines our actions. It's going to come out regardless. If it's in there sooner or later. And, and even the Bible says it's going to come out of your mouth. And it's going to come out in your actions. As it did with them. Within the church, you know what? And I consider and I told Riz, man, I was thinking about it. Our church here, and I went, you know what? And, and praise the Lord, we're doing good. I couldn't think of anything that I ever heard or seen where people are like fighting each other. But some churches, it's a rough ride at some churches, right? A lot of energy is expended in infighting within the church. And I've been a part of churches that a lot of energy gets expended trying to patch up, put out fires within the congregation. Okay? And we, when that happens, we're playing into the enemy's hands. That the devil uses discord, the Bible says, among the brethren. As an effective tool to keep us as his followers of Christ from fulfilling our calling and hindering our effectiveness in sharing the gospel to a lost and needy world. Now, here at Reality, right, we're a family. But you know what? If we're fighting amongst us, there's drama here. Why would anybody want to join their family? Right? A lot of us probably come from 
our real family where there's more than enough drama. Or on your job. You know what? And this place here should be a refuge. Right? This family, the family of God, should be a refuge. It should not be a place where we come and, and there's tension here. Okay? And that was what was happening there, but it's a good lesson for us. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, it says, You brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law of God is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what? Let's not take it for granted. I think we've had a good start here at reality. But you know what? It's something that we need to be aware of and conscious. And we need to do our part in keeping the unity of the body. And to be loving one another here. People came to Moses seeking counsel for the disputes with each other. Why? Because they couldn't work it out themselves. So they came to him to decide who is right. Right? So Moses would say, you know what I mean? Like, you're right and you're wrong. And he would give them the counsel of God. Okay, this is, this is what the Bible says. But as I considered that, I thought, well, look, why did they do that? The only reason is that they didn't have that answer, not just the answer, but they didn't have a relationship with God that was deep enough for them to hear what God would say. So they had to bring it to Moses. The Bible encourages us to seek out godly, Bible-based counsel from a mature believer, but seeking out a person for counseling is not supposed to be our main or only course of action. And sometimes it's, and you know what, I'm guilty of that too. It's easier to go to a person. Okay, but you know what, the Lord is the one who we want to hear from. Okay? Consider, uh, well, let me just say, all, not all counsel is good counsel. I don't know if anybody, I've actually, I was a pastor for about 10 years, and, and looking back, man, I can remember all the time, I've given bad counsel. Not like horribly bad, but bad enough. Not accurate. Where, you don't know the whole story. Right? A husband and wife come in. What do you think you're going to hear? Both sides of the story. Her side and his side. And who's at fault? The other person all the time. Right? So you hear this and it's, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you start jumping on the guy a little bit. And then you find later that, uh-oh. Hey, I, wow. I kind of like ran with that one. You know? Not all counsel is good counsel. 
Also, there is ungodly counsel. There is counsel that's absolutely ungodly. There is also biblically misleading counsel. The Bible really interesting because you know what? I, I don't know how many anybody can testify to that. I've seen it many times. You can kind of like make it say what you want it to say. Right? And, and share the script. God told me. You know, but not what God was saying. Right? We can also see counsel that just agrees with us. Not hard to find somebody. You talk to 10 people. A couple of people are going to agree with you. Right? And you can go, you see? I know I was right. You know, but said. Right? And I've been in that position too where I went, oh my gosh. That was wrong. Consider the source in all counsel. But if you have a shallow relationship with Christ... And if you only have an elementary knowledge of the Bible, then you open up yourself to poor or misleading counsel. Right? They went to Moses, and I, got, I think what was in my head when I considered this was that, you know what? People, we do depend on counsel. And the Bible does say to seek out counsel from people. But there's a lot connected to it. Sometimes that person that we go to for counsel and is sympathetic to us in our situation can become our crutch. Right? They're sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, man, I know. Yeah, you're right. Right? Then what do you want? Tomorrow, I, like, I want to talk to that person again. You know what I mean? If somebody tells you, hey, you're in sin, the Bible says you're like, eh, I think I'm going to talk to somebody else next week. I mean, make, right? everybody does that. Makes sense. It's always nicer when everybody agrees with you. But you know what? It might not be accurate. As with these guys, the nation of Israel, so it is with us. It does not matter how much counseling we have access to. If God doesn't change our hearts, nothing will change. When our hearts are changed, everything changes. I have a little equation here that I wrote. Much counsel with no change of heart equals more counsel. <laughs> Isn't that true? Right? You keep going back. Why? Because the problem is never solved. Because your heart never changed. That line was always long to Moses. Why? Because their hearts never changed. When your heart changes, the problem changes. Any human counselor worth talking to will point us to Jesus. And their counsel will be aligned to God's word and confirmed by the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for a counselor, I can recommend a wonderful counselor. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, speaking of Jesus, he said, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. 
In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Bible, the Word of God in Psalms 119, verse 24, David writes that your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. We need to go to them first, right? It's nice, and you know what? It's, it's an awesome blessing to have people, mature Christians, in the body of Christ. But if we keep doing that, and I've seen it as a path, people that just go from people to people, with their saying, the problem's never solved, right? They're like a counseling junkie, right? And their issues, the issues are with them. They take it with them. They go to another church. Same thing. Because it's in them. They're taking it there. Because they haven't put it before the Lord. This should be the foundation of our counseling. Our dependency needs to be on Jesus first and foremost. Not any person. Okay, and Riz, man, he's amazing. But you know what? Riz can't be everything to everybody. He can't solve all of your problems. Okay? And Moses did a pretty good job. But you know what? Ultimately, the nation succumbed to a heart that was not right with God. And that's how it's going to be for everyone. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says that there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Jesus is our middleman. He's the mediator. He mediates when there's trouble. He's the mediator. If we want to go to him. And I'm considering now that I'm saying, man, sometimes, you know what happens, I think, is that people are not as a custom to going to him. So it seems a little scary. But you know what? The Lord is dependable. The Lord knows every detail, especially every little thing in our hearts. When a human counsels, the only information they got to go on is what you tell them. They don't have the whole picture. But you know what? Jesus knows every heart. And he knows the deepest secrets. In conclusion, allow God to continually change our hearts for the better. Okay, and that's what I'm going to pray for. Man, when I read this, I went, man, you know what? I need improvement on this. I need a heart change continually. Have a deeper relationship with Jesus. One that will carry us through the rough spots in our lives. Sometimes our struggling means that we need to go deeper with Him. Right? If we're doubting, we're struggling, we're angry, we're bitter, all of that. That just shows us that, you know what? We need to go deeper with the Lord. And last, our dependency needs to be on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word. In Psalms 51 verse 10 David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And let's pray.
Lord, we thank you so much for your patience with each and every one of us. Lord, that you delivered us from sin's grasp. Lord, that we're like the children of Israel right now. We're in that position of testing and refinement where you're making us more like you. Lord, and I do pray that each one of our hearts, Lord, that our attitude would be that you would make changes where you see that changes need to be made. Help our hearts to be soft at all times. Lord, and we do thank you, Lord, that you have covered over all of the sins, Lord, all of our troubles and, you know, mistakes and We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.